Welcome to the Vespasian Warner Library District Podcast. On October 12, 1855, Isaac Wyant walked into the DeWitt County Courthouse located on the square in Clinton, Illinois, and shot Anson Rusk four times as he stood in the county clerk's office. The murder shocked the area, and the resulting trial that occurred ended with a verdict nearly as stunning. The bad blood between Isaac Wyatt and Anson Rusk began as a land dispute between the families. In June of 1854, some 16 months before the murder, the two groups met on the road in a place called Marion, which was about nine miles from Clinton. Tense words were exchanged. According to reports, Rusk wanted to know why Wyatt had threatened to whip him, and Wyatt replied that it was because he was meddling in his brother's land. During the altercation, Wyant allegedly pulled a knife, and Rusk shot Wyant in self-defense, striking him in the arm. The resulting injury necessitated in Wyant's arm being amputated below the elbow. Months later, in an act of revenge, Wyant followed Rusk to Clinton and into the county clerk's office at the courthouse. As Rusk stood behind the stove in the office, Wyant shot him three times, once in the side, once in the shoulder, and once in the arm. He then advanced across the office, put the pistol to Rusk's head, and shot him a final time. The county clerk, who was just outside his office at the time, witnessed the murder. Wyant then ran from the courthouse, threatening death upon anyone who approached him, but was eventually apprehended and taken right back to the building where he'd shot Rusk to be held. He was then transferred to the Taswell County Jail to await his trial, which was moved to McLean County due to the notoriety of the case in DeWitt County. The trial of Isaac Wyant began on March 31, 1857. Held in the 8th Circuit Court of Illinois in McLean County, it was presided over by Judge David Davis, who would eventually go on to be a United States Senator and Associate Supreme Court Justice nominated by President Abraham Lincoln. He would also end up being the administrator of Lincoln's estate. Wyant's defense team consisted of Leonard Sweat, who went on to become a trusted Lincoln advisor during his presidency, and William Orm, a prominent McLean County lawyer who later formed and commanded the 94th Illinois Volunteer Infantry Regiment and was promoted to Brigadier General during the Civil War. The prosecution was represented by Ward Lehman, the 8th Judicial Circuit's state's attorney, who would later become the U.S. Marshal of Washington, D.C. and President Lincoln's bodyguard. C.H. Moore, whose collection of books were the beginning of this library, young McLean County lawyer Harvey Hogg, who was law partners with Ward Lehman and later went on to be a lieutenant colonel for the 2nd Illinois Cavalry, giving his life during the Civil War, and future president Abraham Lincoln. The prosecution's case was rather straightforward. Isaac Wyant murdered Anson Rusk in cold blood. The county clerk, Esquire McGraw, testified that he was just outside the door and about to go into his office when he heard the shots. Another witness, Mr. Kidder, claimed to have prevented Wyant from shooting Rusk again after the man had already been mortally wounded. The constable who arrested Wyant, W.W. Williamson, testified that when he apprehended Wyant outside of the courthouse, he had to struggle with him in order to get him to give up his first pistol, and then he surrendered the second. One held two shots, the other six. When Williamson told Wyant that he had killed Rusk, Wyant allegedly replied, quote, If I have killed him, damned his soul, that is just what I came here to do. 
Another witness, Mr. Lewis, also testified to hearing the shots and hearing Wyatt say that he'd, quote, shot the man that murdered his arm. Dr. Goodbrake had heard the shooting and was called to the courthouse by Mr. McGraw. He met Wyatt as he was coming out, but went on in to find Rusk in the county clerk's office. Dr. Goodbrake testified that he examined Rusk and found him dead. Of the four wounds, head, side, shoulder, and arm, the headshot was clearly the cause of death. However, the shot in his side most likely would have proven fatal as well, though not as quickly. The headshot had passed through the brain and the ball had lodged against the skull on the other side. Dr. Edmondson concurred with Dr. Goodbrake as to Rusk's injuries and cause of death. Given the strength of the witness and physician testimony, it seemed that the prosecution's case was a guaranteed win. But Leonard Sweat was a clever attorney, and he would employ a defense seldom seen at the time. The defense's main strategy was simple. The loss of Wyant's arm during the altercation at Marion caused him to go insane. John Carr, Wyant's brother-in-law, testified that Rusk and Wyant met on the road in Marion, and Rusk asked why Wyant had threatened to whip him. Wyant replied that it was for meddling about his brother's land. At that point, the two men were about 20 feet apart. According to Carr, Rusk said, quote, Oh, goddamn you, stand back, and then fired at Wyant. Rusk then allegedly threatened to shoot everyone who was with Wyant. Someone took Rusk's pistols away from him, and Rusk's father then accused Wyant of having a knife. However, according to Carr, Wyant was searched and no knife could be found. Isaac Wyant's brother John corroborated much of Carr's account in his testimony, although he differed on what Rusk said to Wyant just prior to the shooting. He claims Wyant called Rusk a, quote, goddamned rascal, and Rusk then threatened Wyant, saying he'd, quote, blow your damned heart out of you. He also said that he didn't hear anything about a knife until someone asked that Wyant be searched. Another Wyant relative, Clark Carr, John Carr's son and Isaac Wyant's nephew, also testified that Rusk shot his uncle after threatening Wyant, saying, quote, I will blow you through, and then proceeded to threaten to murder everyone else in Wyant's party after the shooting. Another witness to the Marion difficulty, as it was called, a man by the name of Green Leisure, stated that he saw Rusk pull off his cap and coat during the exchange of words. Wyatt advanced towards him and made a motion to pull off his coat, but didn't. That's when Rusk shot him. Elikam Harold testified that he was some distance from the shooting, but came running at the sound of someone shouting murder. When he arrived, he was asked to search Wyant for a knife, but he didn't, and he saw no knife. In the end, Wyant's arm required amputation, and it was there that the defense pinned their insanity defense. In the 1800s, amputation was a common treatment for various injuries. The science of the time simply hadn't progressed enough to make other options available. Today, Isaac Wyant's wounded arm would most likely be spared. However, at the time, it was the only option doctors had. Sixteen hours after the initial wound, Isaac Wyant's arm was amputated below the elbow. According to the testimony of Dr. Lemon, he, Dr. Goodbrake, and Dr. Warner were present during the surgery. At the time, there were limited options for anesthesia. In this case, chloroform was administered first, but Dr. Lemon didn't think it was doing much good, so he sent his son to get the ether. 
Wyant continued to inhale the chloroform while waiting. After the surgery, Wyant experienced fever, ringing in his ears, pain, and feverish excitement, for which he was given morphine. In addition to the physical symptoms, Wyant also experienced considerable uneasiness and did not rest well at night. He developed a tendency to pick at his clothes and his head. It seemed that Wyant had become fixated on the idea that Anson Rusk and his family and friends were going to get him. John Carr corroborated Dr. Lemon's testimony of Wyant's difficulties after the surgery as he stayed with his family while recuperating. He constantly picked at his head when no one was talking to him, and he developed a paranoid fear that Rusk was outside waiting to kill him. He demanded that the curtains be drawn and that no light be on after dark. He could swear that he could hear Rusk coming through the corn and that Rusk's whole family was after him. Carr said that Wyant couldn't be convinced otherwise and that Carr swore to him that he wouldn't let Rusk murder him, going so far as to show him his own weapon. Wyant's paranoia was compounded after Clark Carr told him that the Rusk party had shot at him, which Clark Carr admitted to in his own testimony. He told his uncle that the Rusks had shot at him three or four times while he was on his way after some women to help attend to a sick child. This convinced Wyant that the Rusks would kill them all. Wyant's sister and John Carr's wife also testified that her brother's fear had become so intense that he was hardly sleeping, merely dozing and then waking in a fright, and that he insisted on the house being closed up despite the heat, afraid that Rusk might shoot through the window or come through an open door and kill him. She also testified that she told her brother that Mr. Fuller had said that Rusk had meant to kill him when he shot him. Mrs. Carr further stated that she'd become frightened of her own brother worried that in his paranoia, he might do something to harm one of them or himself. In fact, he threatened both Mrs. Carr and her son, claiming that they'd been the ones who had shot off his arm. She swore that before the shooting, he'd never threatened her. After Wyant shot Rusk, his peculiar behavior continued. William Catlin testified that he saw Wyant after he shot Rusk, claiming that he'd shot the man who'd waylaid his father and shot his arm off. Only, according to Wyant's brother John, their father had died 17 or 18 years prior in Virginia. The county clerk, Mr. McGraw, testified that after the shooting, Wyant acted very strangely, vomiting and picking at his head. Dr. Hoover, who'd seen Wyant after he was in custody and transferred to Pike House in Bloomington, noted his peculiar appearance and manner. His muscles were twitching in his face and he was picking at his head. Wyant seemed able to discuss the shooting without any trouble, but on any other subject he became rambling and disconnected. It was of Dr. Hoover's opinion that Isaac Wyant was insane, and according to the defense's experts, the insanity was caused by the chloroform used during his amputation. Dr. Ross agreed with Dr. Hoover's opinion that Isaac Wyant was insane when he shot Anson Rusk to death in the county clerk's office. The head picking and the constant fear of being killed were clear indications, but the strongest point was Wyant confusing his sister for the man who shot off his arm. There was also his behavior right after the shooting, the vomiting, the refusal to enter the room where Rusk's body lay, and saying that Rusk had waylaid his father when the man had been long dead. Dr. Ross further went on to testify that he believed that the excessive amount of chloroform administered during the amputation of Wyant's arm was the cause of his insanity. 
According to Dr. Ross, chloroform affects the brain and nervous system with the intended purpose of coming as closely to killing someone without actually doing it. In achieving this, a doctor is able to perform a surgery without pain. However, in Wyant's case, being a person prone to high passions, it affected him in a peculiar fashion, arousing and exciting his, quote, animal passions, rather than deadening them. Under cross-examination, Dr. Ross did admit that he knew of no other case of a man becoming insane after the administering of chloroform, but it frequently happened to women as it was typically administered during childbirth when they were already prone to insanity. Therefore, men must be less prone to the possibility. Dr. McFarland, who was in charge of the Jacksonville State Hospital for the Insane and had been treating people with mental illness for 12 years, testified that he believed Wyant to be insane at the time of the murder as well. Like Dr. Ross, he believed that Wyant's behavior, particularly picking at his head and mistaking his sister for his attacker, were strong indications of his insanity. The change in his character from being bold and courageous to nervous and cowardly was also an indication. Dr. McFarland also agreed that Wyant's insanity was most likely brought on by the chloroform due to the amount inhaled and the duration that it was administered. But he added that Wyant was more susceptible due to his age, as insanity, according to Dr. McFarland, was more likely to strike between the ages of 20 and 40, and due to heredity, as Wyant had an uncle that was insane. Though he conceded that it was possible to feign insanity, he believed in Wyant's case it was genuine. Dr. Spencer, who is in charge of an Albany insane asylum, agreed, stating that heredity and chloroform were most likely contributing factors to Wyant's insanity. That Wyant heard ringing in his ears was a sure sign of chloroform abuse. A third expert witness for the defense, Dr. Parks, testified that he'd used a combination of ether and chloroform in many surgeries. Though the probability that chloroform would harm a patient was low, and that it was more likely that women would be affected than men, the symptoms described by the other doctors were evidence of insanity. Dr. Parks went on to say that he couldn't think of one case of insanity caused by chloroform that was permanent. And with that, the defense rested. The state had been caught off guard by the insanity defense and did its best to mount an effective rebuttal. Their focus was on the crime itself and Isaac Wyant's behavior immediately before, during, and right after the murder. Witness Robert Lewis, who was a few feet from Wyant when he was arrested, testified that when Wyant first came out of the courthouse, he didn't look strange. However, he did look odd when begging not to be taken into the room where Rusk's body was, but once upstairs, he seemed fine again. County Clerk McGraw was recalled to the stand yet again and stated that he didn't recollect Wyant saying anything about his dead father. Mr. Williams, the constable who arrested Wyant, agreed with the county clerk that Wyant said nothing about his or anyone's father, but he added that he did see Wyant take something out of a vial once he was upstairs. According to Dr. Warner, who was present at Wyant's amputation, the patient didn't inhale more than an ordinary dose of chloroform as the liquid has a tendency to evaporate rapidly. Anson Rusk's father was called to the stand to refute the testimony related to the incident at Marion. He claimed that Wyant advanced upon his son, defying Rusk's demands to stand back. He then attempted to stab Rusk. Mr. Rusk claimed to have seen the knife. Upon cross-examination, Mr. Rusk clarified that when the shot was fired, the two men were close together and that Wyant had cut within six inches of Anson Rusk's chest. 
Anson Rusk's brother John corroborated his father's statement. Witness Andrew Parker agreed with much of the two Rusk's accounts, though he couldn't say that he saw a knife. Isaac Shinneman, Anson Rusk's brother-in-law, elaborated on the incident at Marion, saying that part of the reason that Wyant had threatened to whip Anson Rusk was because he'd previously whipped Shinneman himself, and Rusk had allegedly come out on the prairie for him. Eight weeks prior to Wyant being shot, he had, according to the witness, slipped up behind Shinneman and whipped him good. George Warenberg also testified to Isaac Wyant's bullying nature. Wyant had come to his house looking for John Warenberg. It seemed that John had threatened Wyant because, as he understood it, Clark Carr had sent Wyant to whip him. As far as Wyant was concerned, he and John were still friends, and the matter appeared to be settled. However, three or four days later, Wyant returned to George Warenberg's place, came into his field, and proceeded to whip Warenberg, his son, and the horses. Soon after, Wyant had the run-in with Anson Rusk at Marion. Mr. Fuller was then called to refute Mrs. Carr's testimony. He claimed that he made no statement that Rusk had intended to kill Wyatt when he shot him, and further went on to state that he'd only seen Mrs. Carr twice. Tavern keeper Alvin Barnett testified that Wyatt had been staying with him two days before Rusk's murder. They'd discussed the Marion difficulty, and Barnett told Wyatt that public opinion was against him. He made no threats in Barnett's presence, only said that he was going to get a new trial against Rusk. Mr. Thomas was the constable sent out to arrest Wyant for the assault on Warenberg. He didn't want to go to John Wyant's at night because he didn't know the road, so he asked Rusk and Shinneman to go with him. Wyant had agreed to be taken into custody by Thomas, but Wyant and Shinneman began arguing, which culminated in first Shinneman grabbing an axe and then Wyant grabbing it, chasing Shinneman away. He also allegedly challenged Anson Rusk to a fight, but Rusk declined. Mr. Taylor, the jailer responsible for Wyant after he'd been held in Clinton, testified that he'd recommended Leonard Sweat as a counsel for Wyant, and that Sweat had discussed chloroform affecting the brain with Dr. Lemon in front of Wyant. Afterwards, Taylor had taken Wyant some food, and Wyant put on what he called foolishness. When Taylor told him not to feed insanity to him, Wyant acted as usual again. One Mr. Nixon testified that he'd heard Wyatt fret over his injury and craved revenge for the loss of his arm. And finally, Dr. Goodbreak was recalled to discuss the amputation of Wyatt's arm. At Dr. Lemon's request, Dr. Warner administered chloroform on the patient. However, Wyatt would refuse to take it and a great deal was wasted. He finally took some only to wake up during the operation and more was administered. Dr. Goodbreak testified that Wyatt said his friends should have killed Rusk and they were of no account. He also said that he'd read about chloroform causing insanity but had never seen a permanent case. In regard to Wyatt's symptoms, Dr. Goodbreak said there was nothing remarkable about a man complaining about his amputated limb nor having a fever after surgery. Some of the symptoms that Wyant complained about could be found in a sane man, and as far as Dr. Goodbreak was concerned, Isaac Wyant was, quote, as much insane before the surgery as after it. On April 3rd and 4th, the prosecution and defense made their closing arguments. Once they concluded, Judge Davis gave his instructions to the jury. If they believed beyond reasonable doubt that Isaac Wyant was laboring under the delusion that Anson Rusk wanted to kill him, and that at any time he was insane during the commission of the murder, then he should be found not guilty by reason of insanity. However, 
if they believed that he was fully understanding of everything that he did when he killed Anson Rusk, then they must find him guilty. Since the closing arguments concluded well into the evening, the jury retired to first have their supper before they deliberated. At about 1.30 on the morning of April 5th, the jury returned with their verdict. Not guilty by reason of insanity. Isaac Wyatt was then sentenced to State Hospital in Jacksonville, where he remained for three years before being discharged. The Isaac Wyatt case was one of the earliest successful uses of the insanity defense in a murder case. A curious postscript to the Isaac Wyant case. A few weeks after the conclusion of the trial, there had apparently been rumors that Wyant had not gone to Jacksonville to be committed, but was in fact at large. As a result, his attorney, Leonard Sweat, wrote a letter to the local paper assuring the public that Wyant was indeed in Jacksonville, as he had been in correspondence with Dr. McFarlane there. He went on to say that the doctor assured him that Wyant was definitely insane and the verdict rendered had been the correct one. However, 25 years after the case, the matter of Isaac Wyant's sanity was still disputed. An article in the Clinton Public Newspaper responded to then-Senator David Davis's remarks about another case in which Dr. McFarland determined the defendant insane and cited the Wyant case saying that, quote, he was insane and in a short time afterwards, he died a maniac. The article corrected the senator, pointing out that the other doctors disagreed with Dr. McFarland and that Wyant did not, quote, die a maniac. He was released after three years and in fact returned to Dewitt County and lived there for a number of years before finally moving to Indiana. A second follow-up article published the next week stated that, several years prior, Wyant had been found dead in a brush heap on a farm, a bullet hole in his head. rivalry culminating in a brutal daylight slaying, which led to a dramatic trial and a surprising verdict. The courthouse murder of Anson Rask and the trial of Isaac Wyant captivated both DeWitt and McLean counties, while also playing a role in the careers of several very prominent men, including a future president. Thank you for joining us. For more information about the Vespasian Warner Public Library District, please go to thewarner.org. Thank you.